This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. Well, hello and welcome back to another episode of the 343 Podcast. And at some point in these episodes, I usually have a little bit of like an ad, I guess you could say, that talks about our 343 coaching membership program. And I've been thinking a lot about it lately, and I've had some conversations with Gary about that uh, as recently as yesterday. And it's funny because one of the things that I constantly am coming back to is how much of an impact that the 343 coaching education program has made not just on my coaching abilities, but just in my life or on my life in general. And it's been a constant in my life for more than five years now. And it's been a process and uh, a process of learning more about myself and learning more about the sport and learning more uh, about how to coach and, and how to read players and how to interact with players. And... 343 has been there for me personally for more than five years, which is crazy to think that. So anytime that I wanted to learn more, to access something or to seek something out or to continue my education, it's always been there for me. And I've been thinking about this more lately, specifically because I am enrolled in a U.S. soccer coaching course. And... (laughs) My voice just got a little bit shaky because I know that this is putting myself out there like this can potentially have repercussions, but I'm going to say it anyways. When my coaching course is done at U.S. Soccer, my education stops. I don't continue learning from U.S. Soccer when this course is over. Yeah, you can say that, you know, there's other things that I can do to, you know, further my own education, but the course stops. I have no more interaction with the instructors. I have no more feedback. I have no more access to the tools that they provide during the coursework. I don't get to see the lectures ever again. Those are one and done. I I don't get to have the conversations um, that that I had in the classroom ever again. Contrast that with the experience that I've had with 343 where anytime I want to go and learn something, I go and I log in and I learn something or I review something or I study something and it is there for me all the damn time. All the time. So the reason why I'm all worked up about this is because I'm having to make some revisions to uh, some coursework that I need to turn in in order to pass this class that I will probably never think about again after I pass it. So uh, hopefully I pass it actually. But uh, that experience will be done and I will continue to be learning from 343 probably for many, many years to come. Um, okay, that's my rant and that's my ad for this week. I, I wanted to switch things up anyways. So what you guys got was just how I feel, I guess. Maybe I can do an entire episode about that. I think that would be kind of fun. Um, but that's something for the future. Today's episode is with a very interesting person that is on a very interesting path right now. So today's episode is with Jan Squara. 
And Jan is the commissioner of the UPSL, which is America's fastest growing soccer league and the only league in the country with promotion and relegation. Uh, sorry, the only national league with promotion and relegation, which means that his country spans from California to New York to Florida and everything in between up and down. Um, and it is the only league across the country that is implementing some type of promotion relegation. So Jan has decades worth of experience in the soccer world as a player, as a coach, as a manager, and as an investor. He has spent time with NPSL and USL teams, but today he is focusing solely on growing UPSL. He called the UPSL a movement, and you will hear him talk about why he thinks that it is a movement, and I agree that it is. Uh, and this episode is going to highlight some of the reasons why teams have decided to join that movement. And during this interview, Jan and I focused on the growth of the men's divisions across the country, going from just six teams when he joined in 2014 to now over 200 teams in, two, in 2018. That is massive growth. And that growth on the men's side of the game has also sparked growth on the women's side as well as investment into youth clubs and even futsal. And there's a funny story here because I've met Jan before. I actually met him in, uh, when was it? I think the summer of 2017, I met him at a, at a bar. He was introduced to me via Steve Escalante, who is a good friend and 343 member and, and somebody I've interacted with quite a bit. Um, but Steve introduced me to Jan uh, about a year ago. Jan gave me his card. Um, and I kept it in a stack. I, I keep a stack of business cards of people that I you know, would potentially want to interview someday. Um, and I've always thought about interviewing you. And we've talked a little bit before, but it's never worked out until recently when I was enrolled in this USSF C course. So maybe this is the best thing to come out of the C course. Um, I was in the C course with somebody that is part of LA Wolves, which is the UPSL club that Jan is the president of, so not only is he the UPSL commissioner, but he is the president of LA Wolves. And uh, this guy, Aaron, that's in my C course, uh, we I don't know how it even came out, came about, but it's something about my podcast came up and, and he asked about it. And then I think he went back and talked with Jan and, and then Aaron texted me and said, hey, like you should talk to Jan. And so sure enough, a few weeks later, here we are. And that's kind of how this episode came about, which is pretty funny. Um, getting back to uh, to my story or my script here. Uh, Jan described UPSL as an incubator for teams and players and coaches and investors to find out what they really want out of soccer and where they should really be in the American soccer landscape. And one of the more unique aspects of the league is that it comes with advising from people who have been in the game themselves and have learned from their own mistakes. One of those people is Jan himself. Jan and I also talked about the fragmented and makeshift pyramid that UPSL and other lower division leagues are a part of. One of the most encouraging parts of this conversation was when Jan informed me that he frequently communicates with people in other leagues. Yes, that means that he is communicating across league lines and <laughs> is communicating basically with his competitors. And to me, it seems like there is a desire from lower division leagues and teams and enthusiasts and fans to exchange ideas and work together. I think that they have all realized that lower division soccer is indeed a movement. The growth rate in all of lower division soccer across the country is not a success story for U.S. soccer. It's actually 
in my opinion, a warning. A warning that U.S. soccer needs to get its act together. A warning that thousands of players, coaches, investors, and fans are now pounding on the door and putting pressure on U.S. soccer to open it and to let them in. So, like Jan said, this is a movement. And this movement is growing. So I hope that you enjoy this conversation that I had with UPSL Commissioner Jan Squara. Okay. Uh... All right, so I just hit record. So if you could just repeat exactly what you just said, that would be a great starting point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we, we were at uh, you know forty teams two years ago, and we're we're now buckling uh, you know two hundred plus teams nationally, and that's what you know this this is all about. And you know where where do we go next? And and then you mentioned what's the plan. So you have what you shared with me actually is a document that that kind of gives. A framework, or it, I guess, for lack of better terms, is the plan that you guys are uh, are kind of following or giving teams to follow. To, uh, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to say like to complete your mission or, or to kind of word it like that, but I, I want to say that you, that you definitely are on a mission to do something or to accomplish something. So maybe you can talk about what the overall mission of UPSL is as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean to. To jump into it, I mean, I think the what's evolved here, what this has turned into, is a uh, an incubator process that you know we we serve as an incubator for clubs across America. And what are we incubating? We're incubating clubs so they can find their proper tier, i.e., their division, and uh, ultimately create a a fully filled out uh, framework of promotion relegation. Um, because that's, uh, that's the way it's done everywhere else. And, uh, that's what works. And as long as, you know, it continues to work, we're not going to question it. So we want to, um, you know, we want to emulate what's occurred for, you know, centuries, uh, across the globe here in the U S and we think that there are a lot of real good, um, groups out there, clubs, investors, shareholders, players, fans that want to support this. And um, it, it's becoming a movement. It's no question the UPSL is a movement today. And um, I, you know, knock on wood, it continues to, to, to grow at the rate it's been growing. Uh, we're anticipating that. Uh, we've, uh, you know, adjusted to the growth. Uh, we're going to be announcing a, a corporate office here in Los Angeles because of the growth to manage that growth and to, to, uh, take care of that growth. Why did you are, sorry, let me, let me rephrase this. I'm going to backtrack for a second. When did you realize that this was a movement? You know, that's a good question. And I think it dawned on me and the light bulb turned on probably within the last six to 12 months at the latest that we have a movement uh and what made me realize it was pretty much the international soccer community 
clubs across America from all all waves of life, uh, African, Caribbean, German, American, Mexican, you know, really coming at our league with a uh, almost an applause and a um, desire to support the direction. And when, a, you know, you have five or six teams sending you letters and, you know, giving you positive comments on how they really believe in the structure of the league, you kind of realize that, uh, you know, maybe you've got something and um, uh, you need to, you know, continue on that journey and, that, and, and continue on the mission uh, that, that we are on. So in the last six to 12 months, it sounds like that was when you realized that this was a movement. But talk a little bit about the beginning of UPSL and, and maybe what the intentions were when you first started and how things have have changed. And, and if you can put some timestamps on some of those changes that have been made. Right. Well, going back to, you know, the early 2000s, late, late, uh, early 2000s. I mean, I, I've been involved personally in, in really all the uh, pro development leagues, uh, in America, USL, uh, NPSL, um, you know, I had my, uh, been a, been a fan of, of NASL, you know, from being a kid, uh, you know, I'm 53. So, uh, you know, LA Aztecs, uh, you know, I grew up with them here in Los Angeles. And so I, I've seen, you know, the, all the different leagues, uh, come go come MLS coming in, really putting a nice foothold in the marketplace. Uh, large investment coming in to, to really establish a top tier. Um, and, um, you know, in 2014, it was just one of those scenarios where the timing was probably good. I was looking for a project to get my hands around. Um, I happened to be in Los Angeles. I was living in San Diego at the time. And um, a friend of mine, uh, Louis, Lionel Lopez, uh, called me. I was driving on the freeway on the 5. And... Uh, uh, Lionel said he was at a Starbucks and uh, would I want to meet with him, discuss uh, a league that he had started. And, um, you know, back in 2014, um, I was certainly suspect. Um, I had, uh, you know, my, my feelings and opinions on, uh, you know, the direction of, of other leagues that, you know, I had, you know, been an active participant, uh, shareholder of and, and, and a franchise owner of and member of. Um, and I felt that maybe this would be a good time to, to listen to what Lionel had um, started. Uh, so, you know, Lionel had started up uh, and founded the UPSL in 2011. And, um, you know, over those from 2011 and 2014, he had built a base of somewhere between, you know, 10 to 16 teams, uh, but it was it was pretty much hanging at that level, and um, you know, a couple teams in, a couple teams out, and uh, you know, we sat down and and again in 2014 at that Starbucks, and he said, hey, you know, would uh, would th this this is what I'm doing? Um, would you have an interest? I told him I thought that you know, LA had a lot of potential. Uh, it was a very fragmented men's adult amateur pro development market, and yeah, that I would be interested because I thought if you can consolidate 
all these uh, great garage uh, garage teams, uh, sorry, garage leagues and, and, and clubs that participate in these leagues and put them all under one umbrella, you could truly have some great teams in a, in a very competitive league and you could actually know who the, who the best amateur team is in Los Angeles. And Los Angeles is a league and it's, it's a, a league in itself. Uh, you know, we, today we have over 45 teams uh, playing in Los Angeles in the Western division of the UPSL. So um, it's a very strong market. And uh, um, again, going back to 2014, once, you know, we kind of shook hands and got off the, the napkin uh, design, uh, we <laughs> moved on to more of a, um, more of a action plan. And uh, I, I, I just jumped into the role of commissioner of the league and, uh, uh, Lee Nell maintained, uh, you know, his president role and, uh, you know, we went to work and, uh, I think, you know, uh, Lee Nell and I have a unique combination in that we're opposites. We, you know, he's really good at, at certain areas of, of business and I'm good in other areas of business and, and, and I would call the soccer business. So it's a good match. Um, you know, I, I can't do what he does and he can't do what I, what I do. So that, uh, that combination started to create some momentum and slowly but surely, you know, when I got in, we, we scrubbed the, the 10 teams that were in the league, dropped it down to, I think, six, and then it went from six to, you know, 20, and then from 20 to 35 the following year, like in 15. And, um, you know, at that point, I got to tell you, I mean, you know, if you would have told me when we were at 35 that we'd be at 200, I probably would have... Uh, told you, you know, okay, well, that's a nice dream. Um, <laughs> it, 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 uh, it was a lot of hard work and, and, and it was, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, back and forth and, and kind of grinded out times. Um, and you know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot to say with that old, uh, adage about, you know, startup businesses take anywhere from three to five years to get off the ground. Well, we're a classic example. It took us, you know, almost five years to kind of break out of that 40, teams mode but we made a few moves we brought a few people on when we were at about the 40 level we expanded our staff dennis pope came in in our communications department david jacobs came in in our marketing department and i have to say with those two individuals uh, you know coupled with a couple of other uh key key players uh, we were able to uh, you know kind of get the uh the car out of the garage finally and we expanded into some additional uh some outside markets uh, which included nevada arizona uh, northern california so then from a local la uh, based league we went to a more regional setup and that's when we uh and we started working closely with usasa duncan riddle john mata um over there uh to to help us with uh you know kind of uh putting on putting on the necessary uh, dressing that's required when you uh are upgrading a league and uh you know we were looking at a, at a regional uh, situation at that point we were able we were successful in uh in growing outside of, of this of the la market and uh then it you know then that next move uh was with colorado and and we uh don Harmon, uh our our colorado conference manager came on board and you know he's he, he really made it i think don coming in and, and building what he built uh in in the colorado market for the on behalf of the upsl uh you know two divisions now over 20 you know close to 20 teams i think that that really gave us the ability to to reach out um outside uh, on the other side of the fence if you will and go east 
um, and take and take a stab at the national picture. And uh, you know, here we are. I mean, basically, we're we're in the Northeast, we're in the Southeast, we're in the uh, in the Central Market, Midwest, uh, 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 Northwest. Now we're starting to tap into the Northwest market of the U.S. So it's you know, it's it's been a journey, uh, and it's been uh, it's been a journey with a number of great people that have, I think the same vision and agree with the same vision. Uh, and that is, is, is building a framework for promotion relegation and uh, servicing its members. I'm going to ask you to reflect or, or think back just one more time. And then, and then I want to talk about the, the now and then the future. Um, if you think back to that, to that moment when you kind of had to scrub a few teams and get down to six, and then you grew back up to 20, 30, and then 40 teams, Mm-hmm. And you and you kind of mentioned some key pieces that were uh, part of the part of the growth after hitting that forty team market sounded like, but mm-hmm. growing growing from that that six teams when you were, when you were down to six teams, which is uh, I'm assuming uh, kind of a nerve wracking moment. Um, right. What do you what do you think was most instrumental at that point? What was part of the the sales pitch to bring people on? or to bring people into a league that had just six teams and, and how were you sharing the vision at that, at that point where, you know, there wasn't really much to work with? Right. Well, you know, we know our business and, and we know that, that, that we knew at that time that there was no professionally managed, you know, men's pro development league in, in LA. Again, it was very scattered. So, you know, we were, our plan was to be first to market and we were first to market. So, uh, at the end of the day, you know, a a number of teams, you know, uh, you know, took bet on us, you know, everybody, either you place a bet and you go left or you go right. And a number of teams bet on us that, you know, they, they listened to our proposal. Uh, you know, we had our membership, uh, parameters at the time and, uh, you know, it obviously made sense to a handful of teams. I think maybe they were a little burnt out on the same old, same old. And so they wanted something more. And that's what we were offering them, I think, at that point was a little bit more than what the other clubs were, sorry, the other leagues were, were offering. And just having um, just that edge a little more, you know, gave us the ability to go, you know, uh, one brick at a time, one team at a time. So uh, uh, that, that was... Uh, and a lot of it, I would have to say, you know, was really marketing and sponsorship oriented. And I think that's what a lot of the leagues were were um, lacking at the time and, and probably, you know, certainly still lack at the time. So um, that's, you know, we, we're very heavy on marketing and sponsorship. And that's a big uh, part of our portfolio uh, in terms of what, you know, we, we offer our members and what we work on on a daily basis. I think we can we can probably get into a little bit more of that. Uh, of that structure that UPSL offers all of its teams or, or prospective teams. We can get into that in just a second. I want to, I want to talk about the, uh, the document that you sent me because I, I find it very interesting and for, for two reasons. So the person that's on the first slide, I think I interviewed him, <laughs> um, but I, I think I interviewed him at a, at a thing in downtown LA with Sasha Vandermost and, and he came on board as a, as a, as a, panel as a panel guest i can't remember his name though do you remember mm-hmm. do you know who i'm talking about yeah let me just take a, a peek here one <laughs> second. 
I'll tell you who it is. Um, he, d- he didn't speak English. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that. And it made the interview a little difficult for me. So <laughs> Yeah, that's Paulo Cardozo. Uh, that's right. Uh, right. Paulo is, you know, I, I'll say this, uh, you know, one of the flagship teams of the, of the UPSL, certainly the LA Wolves, and, and they are the flagship team of the league because um, we needed a team back in 14. And then that was, you know, one of our, our strategies that Lionel and I agreed that we needed to implement is that, we needed to be behind um, our own our own teams because at the end of the day we are we are um, we've had our background is owning and operating clubs ourselves so we know what it takes to run a club and we know what it takes to be successful in running an amateur club um, and so if we could be an example to our members and push our members to higher levels then that's a way to grow the league and I think that's that's a uh, very very big part of our of, of one of the reasons why we've grown you know you asked me what what was it well the la wolves were a big part you know the santa and the winds were a big part of our of our league um being pushed to a another level and paulo paulo cardozo to, to kind of a, a address what you just commented on on the front cover there paulo played um for the la galaxy and uh, has a uh Back in the, I think, 2012, he played with uh, Donovan and Beckham, and, uh, you know, they won a championship ring together. And Paulo is from Argentina, uh, slash Uruguay, um, and uh, he is a, a magical player. He's a very special player. You don't see too many Paulos out there. And, you know, I'm, I will tell you that uh, he, he has really been a, uh, a special player to watch and to have as part of our league. He's helped. Uh, he's been one of those 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 members of the league that has been a part of, you know, setting a tone, setting a, a standard, and uh, you know, I uh, I thank Paulo for everything he's done for the league, and it's been it's been wonderful working with him, and he still continues to play in our league. He's playing right now for Cal United. Um, they're the you know they're in first place in the Western Conference, and uh, you know if you ever want to go see a a fun player, go, go, go check out some of Cal United's games. Absolutely. And so there, there's other reasons why I'm intrigued by this, by this first page on this presentation. So not only because of Apollo, but because of the, because of the verbiage that's on there. So the first thing in quotes is connecting American soccer. And then below that, it says America's first national promotion and relegation league. So I'm wondering if you can kind of just, just give your give your thoughts on on those two statements. Yeah, well, um, there's no doubt that American soccer is very fragmented and disconnected on the amateur side and on the youth side. Um, I think that's a big subject these days. In fact, is what is U.S. soccer going to do at the youth and on the amateur level? And um, I think that's you know really. I think why one of the one of the challenges and one of the things that you know we like to to take on ourselves as a league is we like to fill that gap that right now we feel is a gap and that is uh, you know creating a home for players that they can really develop and so uh, connecting American soccer is is without a question our 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 motto uh, we we connect teams from from the West Coast to the East Coast. Uh, and everywhere up and up and down, uh, and we give them a home, and we let them play every weekend. And if they perform well, they can move up. And if they don't perform well, then they'll move down. 
Um, we are, you know, we are not fully populated with our divisions across America in terms of the promotion relegation because when teams come into our league, they all start at the pro premier level, which is technically, you know, let's call it the, the first tier one. Um, and um, in selected markets where we have enough teams, we can obviously have uh, a, a second tier, a division two, and that's where the pro rail kicks in. There, you know, the pro rail is is has been around in our country with the local leagues for decades, um, but it's all local. Um, this is the first time that you know any league that I'm aware of has attempted to connect pro rail uh, on a national scale, and that's why you know it 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 to to do it on a national scale, the U.S. is a is obviously a a, a a uh, big piece of land to cover so it takes time to populate it with enough teams and you know that's one of the reasons why you know we're, we we can say that you know with 200 teams nationally right now we're, we're very far from being where we need to be in order to complete this uh, pro rel movement um, you've got to have you know at least 20 teams in each market to consider diversifying into two divisions to start and then a third and then a fourth. Uh, so uh, connecting American soccer and promotion relegation, that's how, that's how that, that works together. And I, I want you to also talk about the way that you view the American soccer pyramids. So that's actually one of the next slides that's in that, mm -hmm. in that presentation, but uh, I'm, I'm really curious about two things. So how you see or how you view the other leagues that are kind of on the same level as you. And, and I mean, and I, I don't mean that, you know, operationally, I just mean that uh -huh. in like the structure of the American soccer landscape. So like the division three right. or the non-existent division four kind of uh -huh. tag. And then uh -huh. my other question is what happens when either one of those leagues that are kind of on your same level come knocking uh -huh. or, 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 and I'm sure this is go going to happen if it hasn't already happened. What happens when a league above you comes knocking? So uh -huh. for instance, USL or, or major league soccer, what's, what's the plan for, for how you guys, uh, for how you guys handle those types of things? Right. Well, right now, the way we see it is, you know, we're, we, we feel it's important to reach out and, and work with other leagues. You know, we've, We've had meetings with the NPSL. We haven't had any meetings with PDL because, as you said, on the pyramid, technically we're kind of on the same, uh, we're on the same uh, level. Uh, you know, you have MLS, you know, call it the top of the pyramid, and you have USL right below it. And then, uh, you know, with NASL, um, you know, really not being in business now and operating, they're out of the picture. So um, you have uh, then right below USL, you have PDL, UPSL, and NPSL. Um, and for the betterment of the game, it's important that we initiate some dialogue with one another. And uh, um, I think it's fair to say that we, we've, we've exchanged some ideas with NPSL. We have not exchanged any ideas with PDL slash USL. Um, I think, you know, they have their own um, vision and plan, which, you know, we respect and you know, we can see movement out there. We know USL is very focused right now on Division Three uh, status, and that's a U.S. soccer standard. Um, but with that being said, not everybody's got a half million dollars in their pocket to invest in a franchise that's, you know, got a layout of 500000 uh, not to mention a necessary budget for five years. So if you're going to lay out half a million, um, you better be ready to lay out, um, you know, 
another, you know, on top of that, have have set aside at least five million in cash for operations, um, you know, until the club can self-sustain itself. So that that's quite a bit of cash if you think about it. Um, at least in my my eyes, it is. Um, so you know, how long can can teams survive with that type of um, financial demand? So we're gonna. We're going to stay focused on our financial model, which is allowing clubs to operate with a much different financial uh, snapshot. Um, and hopefully that will drive investment and capital into uh, uh, and sponsorship and into their club. And they can they can achieve, you know, a break even or profitability um, maybe a little bit faster with uh, a different finan- a financial um, you know, entrance, uh, if you will. Um, so, you know, to answer your question, um, USL slash PDL is, you know, has, has a plan. And I think that, you know, unless any phone calls are made, it probably is just going to continue to go at, at the, you know, in the, in the direction that it's going. Um, and then we will, uh, we will continue our movement with developing um, our our tiers under our umbrella, and see where NPSL uh, you know goes with their with their business. Um, it, it's it's there's a little there's some uncharted water right now in front of us in many ways, and you know we're just keeping an open mind and an open ear, and you know uh, happy to talk with with anybody that wants to talk uh, as far as what we can do to better the game and and structure the game um, and, and provide a path uh, from, 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 from bottom to top for the player. Um, so the player can, you know, really have a defined um, direction, which we feel has been lacking for decades. One of the things you mentioned earlier was the fact that you kind of see yourselves as an incubator. So a, a place where teams can kind of come and or players and coaches and fans, every, everybody kind of, can come and find themselves and find where they should land on the, uh, or where they should land in the soccer pyramid. Basically. Uh Uh I'm curious how, see, I want to make sure I don't, I don't sound like an asshole when I say this out loud. Um, because I have, I have a thought in my head that's been brewing the entire conversation. So Uh I guess one of the, one of the big problems that American soccer has had is that it has leagues that are competing against each other. And are competing to kind of, in a in a way, one up each other, be you know one level higher than than its competitors. So I'm I'm really right. curious how you or UPSL and NPSL have handled these initial conversations, and if there has been a conversation yet of who would be higher up the pyramid if the two were to combine, or if combining is even an option, or those those types of things. So that's that's i think going to be a big challenge and you said uncharted waters is this something that you're referring to yeah well going back again i'll 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 say again that you know us soccer has its uh you know uh minimum minimum standard set for division 1 2 3 uh right now and you can agree or disagree with those standards um at the end of the day, um, we can't um, really be too distracted by those standards that U.S. Soccer has set. 
um, because um, they're very high standards financially. Um, in fact, in, in our eyes, you know, I, I don't want, I want to be completely transparent. I think they're a little bit too high. And I think that they've stunted growth in America at that amateur. I think those, t those financial requirements have stunted growth in, in the amateur game today. And so, you know, I'm not saying that as a negative. I'm saying that to bring it to the table so maybe U.S. soccer can consider making some changes there. Um, and if not, no problem. Uh, we're, gonna, we're going to continue to work with clubs who cannot handle those financial requirements. And there's more of them than there are not. Um, you know, the soccer business is not an easy business. I would tell anybody, listen, you're probably better off opening up a hamburger stand before you go invest <laughs> in, a, uh, in a soccer business. So um, <laughs> it's a very unique business, as many owners find out. And the history is the these are the facts. You you know these are the numbers. Numbers don't lie, as they say. Uh, more teams go out of business, you know, after a three to five year window, and owners end up you know looking back, going, "Wow, I you know I just lost uh, several million dollars, and uh, it was a lesson learned." So we're trying to. We think it's important. We as a league feel it's very important that we protect our our investors, um, and we protect them from what we know they should not be doing. Uh, and that is, uh, um, you know, I think a big part of our business plan is guiding teams and clubs who, you know, have an interest in participating at a, uh, at a higher level in this, in this game um, and, and cautioning them on, on some of the, the to do's and to, and not to do's. One, the the way that you worded that is interesting to me. So you're not necessarily protecting them. You're more advising them. I think where my brain went with protecting is more along the lines of kind of what MLS and USL and uh, now PDL have kind of done where they've kind of protected themselves with, you know, the minimum standards and those types of things where you're more advising the businesses or the, the teams, the, the, the new clubs that are joining your league on mm -hmm. best practices, not necessarily, you know, setting standards that are going to keep them from, you know, outside competitors and those types of things. But it seems like you guys are going a different direction. Yeah. I mean, I think it is a different direction and it's, it's a direction of, um, you know, it, it's a direction of light at the end of the tunnel. Um, you know, again, uh, some of these folks uh, who want to invest in the sport just don't have the financial capacity and some do, but they don't want to, and they're, they're business people and they, they don't want to be swimming in red. And, you know, there, there's a lot, there are a lot of investors out there that look at the soccer model and say, you know, soccer is growing like crazy, but I just can't see how you can make money. Therefore I'm not going to invest. So, uh, you know, rather than that investor not being part of the, you know, uh, of the big picture in terms of it being an investor in the, in the soccer world. Uh, now he can look at a league like the UPSL and say, okay, I can start here. And that's where that incubation process begins. I can start here. Uh, I'm going to break even. I'm going to make money. I, I'm going to make money in year one. What a, what a, you know, how many teams do you know that can actually clubs in America that can make money in year one? Um, you know, you can go ask the USL that. You can go ask MLS that. Um, you know, our teams and, and our league have a, have the opportunity to actually make money in year one, 
and that at the end of the day in in my eyes as a business person you know is number one priorities you have to be able to break even or or make money otherwise uh, you can't sustain yourself so um you know that's uh that's where we're at do you do you know well i'm sure you know um I was going to ask, do you know off the top of your head the exact costs for starting a UPSL team? Because I think that is also a, a question that doesn't always have an answer when when people are looking at like, oh, like what like what does it actually take to get involved in professional soccer? What does it actually take yeah. to start a team? And and that's usually I think a big barrier for for people, and they have to get past that that initial barrier before they realize like actually this this is something that I can do. Right. Right. Well, I mean, you know, that's that's a good question, and, and the answer is, you know, uh, you you know now what it takes to run an MLS franchise, and you know the costs there. That's that's pretty much out there, and you know the same thing with USL, whether it's USL Pro or PDL. You're talking either, you know, several hundred thousand dollars at the lower level of USL to several million dollars at the uh, top tier of USL. Um, I think, you know, uh, the 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 numbers on the uh, UPSL and NPSL side are, are, are much more modest and and digestible, uh, but we clearly have uh, have uh, assembled a financial model um, that we think is probably the best in the marketplace right now for sustainability. Um, so one, um, we have the lowest season dues cost in the U.S. bar none with by by versus any other national league and you know you can count them on on one hand there's only two um there's only three national leagues right now so we have the lowest entry cost to play a season in the upsl uh so you know each we have two seasons in a 12-month period um and we have two seasons because we believe it's very important that a player is playing 10 months a year minimum uh of competitive football in order to become that better player. That's maybe one of the reasons why our players are not better players because they're playing in leagues that are only playing, you know, four, three, four months a year. And, you know, do they stop? Well, I hope not. Um, you know, I know that as a former player that it was a year round type of thing. And, you know, most good players are, you know, doing what it takes to, to play year round, but to stick to the, the question, um, you know, each we're, we're looking at about 5,000 to, to um, to cover your season dues for two seasons in the UPSL, okay, that's just season costs, season dues, if you will, um, and membership dues, just under five thousand, forty five hundred, and then you've got your budget, um, which is for rental of training facility, paying a coach, um, paying for referees, paying for a stadium, uh, and that at the end of the day, I'm just going to give you a budget, a budget of you know, you can be really skinny and do it for twenty thousand annually. You can do it for thirty thousand, or you can do it for with fifty thousand up to a hundred thousand. You know, it just it depends on how aggressive you want to go and what your budget is. But um, you know, uh, I think that uh, on the low end, you're looking at about a twenty twenty five thousand dollar budget to do it to do it. You know, uh, half right. What are the big differences between UPSL and NPSL? I, I now I have the numbers in front of me now. I remember this was uh -huh. in something that you sent me, um, uh -huh. and it says UPSL twenty five thousand, NPSL fifty thousand. What's the big difference in those two numbers? 
Well, it, it's season dues. I think season dues annually for NPSL are are about, um, you know, well, let, let's back up. The NPSL is right now is a uh, is a league that uh, that has a, uh, a three to four month uh, playing window. That's their season. Season concludes. They don't play until um, I believe uh, the fall, you know, April of the following year. Okay, because it's a it's a spring summer schedule. So we're on the same calendar as far as the spring summer schedule as NPSL. But they stop and we continue. We get we get back we get going again in the fall. So that's our second season. That's our fall winter season, and that begins in September, September seven, and then that goes through December uh, one two, and then we break for the holidays. Got it. Okay. Right. So uh, again, it's uh, uh, you know I, I think I I, I kind of like I don't like to. Uh, uh, get too specific with other people's numbers, but I think that you know I, you're looking at um, season dues of maybe six thousand or somewhere in that range for NPSL, and and our season dues are two thousand per season. Okay, um, and uh, if I'm wrong, then you know it's certainly not by intention. So uh, I'm just giving you some numbers that I know are I think are out there, uh, and then there is a uh, I believe NPSL is like a $15,000 membership uh, uh, fee right when you join the league. And then um, you have a um, like a $5,000 bond with their league as well. So, you know, in the NPSL, I think you're looking at, you know, dollars up front somewhere in the 25000 range where um, versus the UPSL, you're looking at numbers more towards the uh, 2500 range. So that's a big difference. What what's the purpose of having that fifteen thousand dollar upfront fee for NPSL? Do you know? That's uh, yeah, that's to become a member of the league. But what does that what does that get you? Like besides being a member, but like what does that money go to, or how how is that used? Yeah, well, I mean, it's the same thing on, on our side. Okay, we don't have a fifteen thousand dollar membership, you know, fee. We have a five hundred dollar membership uh, uh, fee. And what we, when we, when a member pays that five hundred dollars, uh, we announce that the club is part of the league, and you know they 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 are now going to receive membership benefits, which includes you know UPSL patches, uh, balls, uh, sponsorship, and you know with Molten, with with Admiral, um, and a number of other uh, membership benefits. What are the benefits with NPSL? I don't know. You'd you'd have to you'd have to you know dig into that on their yeah. side. Absolutely, and I, and I have uh, I've already reached out to Dennis Crowley about bringing him on the show again. He was one of the the first guests I had on the show, um, mm-hmm. and I think in 2016. So I, I'd have a I'd have a lot to talk to him about. Um, yeah, but and, I, I I do want to say this. I you know we we fully re- respect and you know uh, always uh, tip our hat to the NPSL and PDL and. In USL, you know, they've been a big part of growing the game in American soccer. And, and this is just, these are just facts and statistics that we're discussing right now that are on the financial side. I'm hoping being fairly accurate. Um, I just want to cover myself that, you know, we're just... <laughs> <laughs> no, I got you. And, and I think it's actually pretty noble of you to be, to, to be able to, to speak about other people's leagues and to be brave enough to speak about other people's leagues and, and businesses because in the soccer world... I'm sure that you're well aware of it, that, that a lot of people uh, 
are afraid to talk about certain subjects. There's no other way to put it. And when you when you get a chance to have a conversation like we're having where it's just kind of just putting everything on the table and being super transparent, I feel like those moments are incredibly rare. Um, so I, I think what, what you're able to do, and you're able to, you, you even said it a second ago that, you know, you've had conversations with NPSL. I think that's a great point to, to, to get out there. And that you even said that conversations have not happened between you and PDO. And that's something that a lot of people wouldn't really announce. So I, I, I clap my hands for, for that as well, man. I, I appreciate that. Well, yeah, it, it's, uh, we, we, you know, we want to be transparent and we have nothing to hide. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we're, we're here to grow the game and if, and PDL and slash USL is, is a part of the game and they're a big part of the game. And, you know, uh, so is NPSL and MLS and, and AYSO and, and, uh, USASA. Everybody's part of this game, this wonderful game. And uh, what we're trying to do is we're trying to make this game better. And, you know, we had a great situation in LA yesterday. We had, a you know, finally a real stadium open up and, and this can, can actually be said that and there are a lot of soccer specific stadiums in America, but I think this one, you know, is, you know, is, is the granddaddy at this point and <laughs> the new is the new bench. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it can, it shows that, you know, look, there's a lot of people out there that really support the sport that want to be, that really want to support it and, and make it and, and, and really get excited about it. But uh, it's been very fragmented, uh, and it's it's been very choppy. It's been a choppy road, and uh, hopefully, you know, we can continue to make headways, you know, one year at a time. Are you familiar with Robert Palmer's like uh, Division Zero concept? Yeah, yeah I, I've met with you know Robert uh, invited me to his office in Orlando not too long ago, and we had uh, some good meetings um, and discussions. Uh, as far as the future of soccer in America, and you know he's well aware of of, of where the UPSL sits, and you know as the owner operator of the Armada, um, I think Robert wants to make sure that there's a viable uh, competitive league um, at at the Armada's level that you know um, you know he can participate in on a year in year out basis, and so you know our our talks continue and and. Um, you know, I'm, I'm certainly hopeful that you know in the future that you know uh, we are we are all working together on on a on a very powerful uh, promotion relegation um, system that is in place and um, you know go from there. One of the things I I found super interesting about the way Robert Palmer is kind of approaching the situation was specifically about his stadium uh, concepts and stadium designs and having like the, the need for modular type stadiums or festival type stadiums. And it's like, it it gets me thinking, man, it's like, if you could choose like the, like the little bits and pieces that work from every single, you know, facet of lower division or professional American soccer and just combine those under one umbrella, like, fuck man, like it would be powerful. So if you took like his idea of festival style stadiums with UPSLs, you know, national reach and kind of framework and, and Rocco and Ricardo's money and, and all that type of stuff. Like it would be super powerful. And, uh, I guess I, yeah. I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm happy to know that you guys are all talking and, 
and whether talks are, are good or bad or, or, you know, productive or not, that there's actually dialogue happening to me. That's, that's yeah. a very, very, very big positive. Yeah, no, there, there's, you know, there's good convert. There's been great conversation. We've had great conversation. And, uh, I, I think, you know, that we're all on the same page. It's let, let's see how things unfold and, you know, hopefully the right things will happen. I hope so, man. Um, yeah. I want to. I want to make sure I ask you too. Is there is there anything that's like just burning in your brain that maybe we didn't get to that that you want to make sure that that people that are listening, you know, that they're aware of? Well, I think you know if you're a uh, if you run a club or if if you know if somebody is an is a uh, interested in, in really getting getting involved in the game of soccer in the U.S. at a you know pro development level, I think that you know, they, they should really check out the UPSL and join the movement because we, we actually, in, in my eyes today, and I couldn't say this two years ago, but today we have, we, we really have the opportunity to make a difference. And, and that doesn't come around too often. Um, I think if we keep going at the rate that we're going, uh, we're going to have a, a very big, uh, we're going to have the ability to, to, to make some changes in the game. They're going to be very, very positive for the uh, for the game here in America, and 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 how often do you get to actually say that? You really, you know, if you really look at, you know, what's been, you know, what's been going on in this country for the last 50 years with the game, um, it's there. It's time for change, and it's time for a a, a change in an upward, you know, direction. And um, I'm, I'm proud to say that the UPSL has the opportunity to, to, to be a part of that change today. And uh, that's really the only thing that's kind of, you know, on my mind today that, you know, hey, if you want to talk about, you know, change and making the game better, you know, we're, we're here. I think that's badass. And you can tell that you're proud to say it. And, and I, I mean, I, I have, I've been fortunate to actually meet you and you came out and, and uh, I think we were in Orange County, right? In Fullerton? Yeah. And I actually met yeah, you? In yeah, in Fullerton. So mm-hmm. it's like you have your boots on the ground too, and, and you're putting yourself out there in a way that I think is, is going to, is already creating positive change. And I'm I, I'm just, like I said, I, I'm ecstatic that guys like you and, and many others are involved in making the investments and time and money and, and effort that are necessary for, for this type of change to happen. Because a lot of people talk, a lot of people say, you know, a number of different things, but uh-huh. uh, to have people like you that are actually, like I said, boots on the ground and, and making the moves that are necessary, it's it's just exciting. Oh. It's hard for me to put it into words, man. Yeah, thanks, John. Thanks for those kind words. I mean, it, it's uh, I feel, you know, privileged and, and blessed to, to be doing what I love to do, you know, on a, uh, on a full-time basis. Uh, you know, I, uh, uh, I can't tell you that, you know, again, it was fully planned out, but, um, you know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable to tell you that we know the game and, you know, having international experience, playing experience and, you know, uh, being over there and, 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 you know, being kind of bred over here, gives me a unique perspective and, and same thing with, with my, my business partner, Leonel Lopez, and you know, he's from Mexico. So, um, with the big Hispanic market in the U S here, uh, and only growing more and more and soccer being the number one sport with the Hispanic 
and um, you know our European bloodlines and playing lines, uh, and um, also our international um, um, capabilities. I think we uh, we have something here, and uh, you know this is for everyone. I mean, this is uh, I've always said it: you do the right things, and it always come back to you. So you know we're seeing that happen right now with the UPSL. We're doing the right things. We've always done it from day one, and um, you know here we are, and we're we're. Uh, we're opening up a corporate office in LA to go grow the league some more. So hopefully, you know, that'll be a good investment of time and energy and uh, they'll get us to another level and we'll have another, you and I will have another talk and uh, we'll be talking about some, uh, we're doing a recap of our growth uh, in 18 and 19. Absolutely, dude. Whenever that headquarters opens, I, I expect a full tour. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're going to have uh, a little grand opening uh, uh, invite and you'll certainly be on that and uh, look forward to seeing you there. We're going to, probably get that going in the next couple of weeks here. Alright, big thank you to Jan Squara for coming on the show and talking about UPSL and lower division soccer and American soccer in general. Uh, Jan is doing good work. His team over there at UPSL are doing good work. I've had the pleasure of meeting a handful of his team members, Aaron being one of those people that I'm uh, currently in a coaching course with, but also Dennis Pope, who is his communications uh, director, I believe, for UPSL and for Wolves. Uh, good people, though, and I hope that you guys enjoyed getting to know a little bit about their story and what they're up to. Um, if you would like to find more episodes of this podcast, you can find those at 343coaching.com. And you can also find all of the benefits of becoming a 343 Coaching Education Program member. And that is the program that I talked about at the very beginning of the show. So if you want to rewind it and go all the way back to the start, you can talk or you can hear me talk about uh, my experience and what type of an impact this program has had on not only my coaching career, but my life in general. It's become uh, a very, very big part of my life. And I'd be more than happy to share any of my experiences with you if you have questions. So feel free to reach out. Um, if you want to find more information about that program, again, it is 343coaching, all spelled out.com. So numbers 343coaching, all spelled out.com. All right. Uh, until next time. We will, uh, we will catch you guys, I don't know, on the flip side something. I don't know. I need to come up with a better tagline for the end of these. I'm freestyling it. Have a good one.